welcome back to Tolkien with Friends. Um, and you know, when it comes to The Hobbit and Unexpected Journey, I feel like this is the episode I've been the most excited about because today we'll be talking about Chapter 5, Riddles in the Dark. But before Yay. we dive in, we are so excited to welcome Minhas to the podcast. And welcome, Minhas. We are so happy to have you. And if you want to just let everybody know for right off the bat, pause it. Go follow Minhas wherever Minhas wants you to go follow. So now this is your chance to let people know where to find you on social media. Hi, everyone. Thanks. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to be here. You can follow me on Minhas Morgul on everything. And it's spelled just like the place except for has an H. <laughs> so Minhas Morgul instead of Minas Morgul. Anywhere, anywhere you can find me. I do post most on TikTok. I have the most fun on TikTok. So I think you'll get the most bang for your bunk there. But I am I am on other platforms as well. Cool. Awesome. Yes. I mean, TikTok is definitely where we ran across each other. And I mean, obviously, the the username is Chef's Kiss. Mm -hmm. I was like, this sounds like my kind of person. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I love I love that we got to all really come together because of just literally this one platform. It's It's been amazing. I know. And it's it's such a wild platform, I feel like where Instagram, I mean, when it was just me before I started like the podcast version of, you know, my account, uh, you know, I it was mainly stuck to kind of my some like artists that I like to follow as well as like my really good friends. But then like TikTok, I think has been one of those where I don't know, I've I've met so many more like minded people than I have like on any platform and I and I know that TikTok and like the algorithm is kind of weird like sometimes it just completely breaks and it's like why am I seeing this you know (laughs) but for the most part it's been a pretty positive experience yeah and if it's not you can change it to make it so yeah you can you can fix it you can fix it yeah there are (laughs) tricks tricks to the trade (laughs) awesome so everybody make sure go and you know Get on TikTok, get on Instagram, wherever you like to follow folks and do that. Um, and now I think, I know we're all really excited uh, to talk about this chapter. It's a really good one. And it's some really beautiful performances by Martin Freeman and Andy Serkis. Uh, but first, you know, I, you know, we've been talking about kind of, you know, just kind of being transparent about how we've come to The Hobbit in our experience. I know that it's been kind of hit or miss for me. I know Callie at the outset was like, I'm going to come at this podcast with, what was it like? Um, what was the phrase that you used? Like, I don't don't even remember. Yeah. Just like insane (laughs) positivity. It was a good phrase. It was a good phrase. Um, but I can't remember, but you know, like unapologetically positive or something like that. Yeah. that sounds right. you know, that's how Callie's approaching today. Minhas, I'd love to, I think, I think it is. Maybe you get it. Uh, but yeah. Minhas, I'd love to hear. You know, like, what has your journey been with the Hobbit, the book, and the films? You know, how, where are we at with you today? Yeah. Well, since I first read the Hobbit, it, the Hobbit was actually my introduction to Tolkien's world, and I read it when I was very, very young. Uh, when I was ten years old, I guess is the age you're supposed to read it. And rereading it now for this podcast, I was like, wow, it, it, ten years old is a great age to get this introduction, Perfect. especially with the Hobbit. Um, and then I watched the 1970s Hobbit movie because we watched 
watch that in class when I was 10 years old. And I, 10 years old, I did not like it because I was 10. Uh, I rewatched it recently and I'm like, this is a piece of art. (laughs) I I did not do this movie justice um, (laughs) when I was 10 years old. Uh, And I I will talk about that, especially this chapter, because I, I do like referencing that movie and the Hobbit movies and Mm. this book, like those, the three, this chapter is very pivotal for those three movies and those three pieces of literature. In terms of the, the actual Hobbit movies that are live action ones, I'm kind of more with Callie on this one. Um, I love them. I, I, I don't know. It's hard for me not to enjoy it. It's same with Rings of Power and everyone has this kind of weird feelings about them, but I'm like, I don't know. It's fun for me, Mm -hmm. but it's I, I do have my qualms with it. I have my qualms with Rings of Power as well. Right. Um, it's it, they're overshadowed by how much I love being in that world and that series. Um, it's really fun, and I I'm not going to pretend it's Lord of the Rings, but you're right. not looking into it like it's Lord of the Rings. You're looking into it as if it's its own thing. Um, mm-hmm. And it's beautiful, visually beautiful. It's nice to see the actors. The actors do a phenomenal job. Even seeing Legolas and Toriel again. I mean, seeing Legolas again in Toriel for the first time. Um, mm-hmm. It's just, it's nice. I thought they did what they could with the source material they had and the restrictions of production on their mm-hmm. back, right? There's a lot going into it. So um, I think with what they, what they, with what they had, they did a beautiful piece of work. Love it. I think that's a great way to look at the Hobbit movies. I think that's definitely a way that you <laughs> should look at the Hobbit movies and enjoy them a lot more. I think that my... Uh, experience has been colored by the fact that, you know, just by, like, Lord of the Rings, I feel like captured the vibe so well, and I was expecting it to um, capture the vibe of the book again, but this time it's kind of a mishmash in some ways, like, it's kind of trying to be, like, a prequel to this epic, so trying to still maintain the epicness, but Mm. also... Like, it's trying to be silly, but I'm like, I think I was imagining more whimsy than silly. Do you know what I mean? Like, just insofar mm-hmm. as, like, when I sat down to watch this movies um, for the first time in theaters. and But I will say, at the same time, I was so ready to be back in Middle Earth. I did watch the first Hoppin movie, like, three times in theaters, like, going with various different groups of people. Be like, oh, you haven't seen it yet? Let's go. Let's go. Um, yeah. The first one was definitely, I think, the best one. Mm-hmm. Um, I like the other two because it has Thranduil in it. Right. But in terms of oh, just yes, storytelling-wise, the first one is, yeah, of course. But the first one storytelling-wise, I think, is the best one. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Yeah, I think that, I um, there, yeah. so Anna, who, yeah, I think that's totally fair in all the ways. Like, Anna, I've been talking to her and she's like, I'm, I'm going to come back, I swear. I'm like, don't, don't worry about it. Like, do if you do, like, come back sometimes or whatever you want. Because um, she... It's my best friend, and she hosted it with me for the most of uh, Lord of the Rings. And she's like, but I do want to come back for Lee Pace. And I'm like, I, I get it. I get it. <laughs> so, um, so you may see her for that. We'll see. We'll see. Nice. He, he's bringing the world together. <laughs> yeah. He, he's, a, he's a special guy. I, and that's the thing about these movies, is that it's like, you can't really knock the actors at all. They're all so good. You know what I mean? Um, mm-hmm. and just watching them go through it. I don't know. They're, they're really good at what they do. So, um, I would never shit on the actors for anything in these movies. You know what I mean? Like there's yeah. other things that I take issue with, but it's not 
any like one person's fault or anything like that. Yeah. And I think one thing is important to remember is Peter Jackson came in after. So the, it actually was belonged to Gelmo who has a completely different directing style. And I personally, a lot of people disagree with me. I personally would have loved to see his rendition of the Hobbit. Okay. Same. And somebody tried to tell me like, Oh, I don't think we needed it. Like, I I think it would have been too weird. And I'm like, no, I think that's exactly what these Tolkien nerds needed was weird. Because now we've kind of got this thing that I think we've seen with Rings of Power where people are like, it's not Peter Jackson's Middle Earth. And I'm like, it never was, guys. Like, (laughs) it was Ralph Bakshi's first, you know, it was uh, Rankin and Bass's before that. Like, it's every, like, it's whatever. So I think it would have been really cool to see. And I kind of think it would have reset some people's brains about what Middle Earth is supposed to look like. Especially since he's such a visual storyteller. Um, If you look at Crimson Peak and then even the new Pinocchio and see those stylized. (sighs) Okay. So even let's, let's do something more. I wanted his smog really bad. I I will say that. He actually worked on this fantasy series called Troll Hunters, which actually does have orcs and, uh, kind of similar creatures in it too. So if you base off of that fantasy series, he's such a visually amazing, beautiful creator that I think The Hobbit, especially if you're rereading The Hobbit, mm-hmm. I could imagine him doing it so beautifully. Especially. I agree. Yeah. yeah. Especially with seeing like Pinocchio being able to have like, it's, it is whimsical and it is yeah. fun, but it's also serious. You know, there's like heart wrenching moments at the same yeah. time. He could have done it. And we all he know could've. it. We yes. all know it. <laughs> yeah, I saw some of the um, art renderings for Galmo's version of the Oryx, and they were so beautiful. Honestly, I was like, I wish we could have, because his version of Azog was completely mm, different than the one we got in the movie. Um, and it's just, yeah, it, it kind of breaks my heart a little. I mean, I'm not shooting on Jackson at all. No. I literally just said, I love these movies. Yes. <laughs> even though a lot of people don't. But I do Both have- can I, be true. Yeah. You know? Yes. I do more than a little. Same. Yeah. Same, same, same. Okay. So I think that means that we need to talk about this chapter. Let's uh, <laughs> So let's check in where we last left our company. Uh, it, but because of last time we had to kind of skip over this part because of the way Peter intercuts the previous chapter with Riddles in the Dark. So we just kind of ignored it last time. We were like, sorry, Bilbo. We're not going to talk about you. So now we're going to focus in on him and Gollum now. So, you know, at this point in the books, Bilbo and crew had nearly escaped from the goblins. And, you know, they had to pass Bilbo around and carry him because he wasn't as fast. Uh, And at the time he was being carried by Dory, but he was pulled out from under Bilbo by the goblins um, who were wearing their soft shoes. So they weren't heard and, you know, causing Bilbo to fall and be left behind. And so for the rest of this chapter, we do not see the dwarves or Gandalf again, and instead are left with, you know, poor old Bilbo stuck in the heart of the mountain. In contrast, you know, the films have left Bilbo behind almost as soon as they are captured by the dwarves. You know, he just like crouches and they, these tiny goblins don't see him. I don't know. It's whatever. So they don't see him. He gets into a fight with one extra goblin and they fall um, during their fight. And, you know, as we saw last time, they intercut between the Bilbo's encounter with Gollum and the dwarves fighting the goblins. And for me, this is the point where I think it's where they make one of the biggest mistakes of this 
part of the movie. Um, so, like, if you've ever heard me talk about the Hobbit movies before, like, my biggest complaint, like, I would let them get away with so much and I would never, it would not bother me. But the part of not really, they, that the fact that they've decentered Bilbo from it is what kind of breaks my heart the most. Um, it's like, while yes, it's like a quest for the dwarves problem, whatever, you know, we're experiencing it through Bilbo's eyes or we should be. Um, and at the heart of it, it's really, you know, Bilbo discovering himself and the type of hobbit that or person that he wants to be, you know, he comes, he starts off kind of like, you know, there's a little fire in there, but it hasn't been stoked, right? Like, he's very comfortable with the way things are, not really doing anything outlandish or crazy. But then he comes out the other side, like, courageous and clever, and he puts others before him. You know, he, he's a solution finder, you know? He, he has this whole growth story, and... um I think this movie had a real chance with Riddles in the Dark to put Bilbo back at the heart of the story by not intercutting between this fight and, um, you know, I know they wanted to have the reveal of Gandalf or whatever and like kind of like the video game like fight that happens. Uh, but if we had really just stayed with Bilbo and Gollum, I think that would have been such a treat, you know, and I think it really would have helped with um, telling Bilbo's story. But, you know... I could, I could be wrong. I've admitted to being wrong before. I don't know how you guys feel about that part, but those were my initial feelings. Just thinking about it overall. Yeah. Um, well, I, I do see where you're coming from, and I'm going to bounce off of what you were saying. And I'm not actually going to say this as a negative or positive, but I mm -hmm. think Jackson at that point made a decision that it wasn't the little story anymore. And since then, since that moment, the story isn't about Bilbo anymore. And we even see that later in the Battle of the Five Armies, which literally is just this much in the book. Yeah. It's a three-hour yeah. movie, right? And I think he does that with uh, Lord of the Rings as well to an extent where he cares more about the epic battles versus the interpersonal relationships um, between the characters, right? Mm -hmm. he, he does a lot more interpersonal relationships in the Lord of the Rings. He doesn't lose a lot, but in this situation, sorry, uh, okay. we really do um, lose it in this movie. It isn't about Bilbo at all. And the focus is on the king, the battles, and the mountain. Um, mm -hmm. And this, this scene really exemplifies that. That being said, I guess it's because I, we've read the book so much. My brain just chops it. Like it's like the, the whole Bilbo scenes and my brain are together. And then mm -hmm. the whole dwarf scenes are separate. Um, but then well, when I'm watching, I'm like, oh, really? It's not like that. But when I remember the movie, I don't remember. Totally. I didn't remember this either. Movie. I was just like, oh, Bilbo time. And I was like, wait, I'm, hey, hey, don't, yeah. go, go, don't yeah, come back to that. We had a moment <laughs> when we were yeah. organizing, studying for this. We were like, oh, shoot, we go forward, then we go back, and then we go forward, then we go back. And yeah. yeah, but you're right, though. I do yeah. remember it as like one immersive scene um, as well. So that's interesting that you mentioned that. Yeah. yeah, I mean, but I think you're right. It isn't. I mean, they still keep it the Hobbit, but they're more like it's more the unexpected journey than it is the Hobbit. Do you know what I yes. mean? It's more the subtitle than it is the, the main title. Yeah, um, it's do it's the, the journey of King Durin plus Bilbo. Yeah. Whereas the books are Bilbo plus the journey of King uh, of the Durin King. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. It is. It's true. It's a, like they are kind of just like uh, it just works out for them. But it you know. But like I, I don't know. Like 
I understand that they have to get away from that. They get away from it a little bit in Lord of the Rings because there isn't that um, like point of view type of thing that Tolkien mm-hmm. does. But this is all like from Bilbo. So I don't know. It's it's a choice. It's a choice. So that is the choice yes. that was made. <laughs> yeah. And that's where we are. So um, however, I do thought I did think it was interesting to have Bilbo trying to like fight one of the goblins because like in the books, we really don't see Bilbo try to fight anybody until the spiders, you know, yes. so they, they have Bilbo give it a shot. Um, and but you know, he falls with the goblin uh, only to find Gollum. And I believe they do this because the book does say that Gollum would wear the ring when he was very very hungry and go looking for stray goblins so they like actually show him finish the job on this wounded goblin um Mm. and but Gollum is definitely not wearing the ring (laughs) he uh you know and and obviously the scene is like very lit instead of being like the super darkness Mm -hmm. um and but they because they want to show us this ring fall off of Gollum's loincloth Mm-hmm. But I'm pretty sure that Gollum wears pants in the book because he has he, pockets. He has yeah. pockets. Yeah. And they're very unclear about those pockets. <laughs> right. Where like, they are like, they're clear, but you think it's like them. a fanny pack? <laughs> yeah, he's like, what do I have in my pocket? Like, Fish, your dad bones. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I I bet he's wearing some really raggedy ass pants like Bobo. Like yeah. I, that's or a guess. shirt and no pants. Like there's it's not really clear. He could he could just have a pocket that's like tied to a string. Who knows? Yeah, it could that's be true. anything. <laughs> yeah. That's true. I just don't think Tolkien there. was thinking of being naked. I know. <laughs> yeah. It's so funny because when I was reading this chapter and rewatching the movie, and then I also went and rewatched the scene in the 70s movie just because mm-hmm. I had to. And I was also looking up at fan art for this scene in particular Ooh. of Gollum. And everyone laughs at that one from Europe where it looks, it's just like a big kind of troll looking. It's so gorgeous. Oh, so actually, yeah. Where he's kind of just kind of like, it's not like a super defined. I mean, he's kind yeah, of it's like, like a, a mountain. Cousin looking. it or so. Yeah. yeah. And I was like, you know, we have this whole idea and everyone in the comments when I first saw that video about that, that art was like, that doesn't make sense for Gollum. And I'm like, but let's really think about it. Why doesn't it make sense? We don't really have so much information, right? Yeah. What we know, and in the books, they don't really do this in the movie either with movie Gollum. Uh, in the books, there's these moments where he, he, we can transport it back to when he was from the world above. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're looking at this other perspective before even Lord of the Rings was written, because this is just The Hobbit, right? Mm-hmm. I like to look at things cartmentalized. Yeah. Um, so we don't know anything. We don't know that he used to be a Hobbit, like how we kind of come to learn now. Um, mm-hmm. We don't know anything about what. All we know is he used to live in the world above. His grandmother made some food for him and whatnot. Him how to suck eggs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. There's no real indication of what kind of creature he would have been above no. the land. So when you see the ones that are other other fan arts are like really like he looks more like a frog. He kind of looks really like lizardy or whatnot. And even in the 70s movies, he looks more like a lizard. Mm-hmm. Um, this creature could have been a creature from above. Like there's nothing that says that kind of creature can't live in the above land and then move to below. And another thing I found really interesting in this chapter, which I guess this is really Bilbo focused, but... Uh, I just think Gollum is so compelling. Yeah. He said, uh, they said, they even mentioned when, before he became wretched. Mm-hmm. They actually, 
specifically say that in, in this chapter as well. And what's interesting about this chapter between these two characters is this kind of dichotomy between Bilbo, who is very like innocent and just trying to go on an adventure, and Gollum, who is like li- been living in these caves for so long and has lost who he was as a person. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really interesting to see these moments, like why why Gollum finds Bilbo so compelling and just doesn't eat them right away because he is at a point in his life where he is completely a monster to the outsider. He just eats goblins. He just eats fish. He like murders yeah. as he's yeah, he doesn't that's, do that to him right away. Right. I know. And it's like um, movie Gollum. It's, um, I mean, of course, like we can't really talk about this part without talking about the performances of Martin Freeman and Andy Serkis. Just like, mm-hmm. I think that they play off each other really well. And you also yeah. see like the team over at Weta have just killed it with Gollum's design. You know, mm-hmm. like he looks so good in that scene you know what i mean like you yeah. could touch him and he's got all these facial expressions and he's very he's super expressive and like the way he moves around is really cool um but yeah. with um with all of that i think that and you know there's there's so many things about the scene because like in the movie they're really playing off of the kind of multiple personalities thing that peter started in you know lord of the rings which is really he does talk to himself but in here Mm. it's specifically reasoned as because he doesn't have anyone else to talk to right and that and that's kind of how he started doing that and it's not and it's just so interesting with um you know the whole riddles scene which I think is it's so good and I, I really kind of wish it would have gone on longer mm-hmm. um and I know that they and it's like I'm watching the extended like throw me a couple more riddles my guy right. like I noticed that they cut a few and I wrote them down just because mm-hmm. I thought honestly like these aren't the easy riddles that they cut like I when I read them I still don't remember the answers until they tell me oh um, I'm yeah not so even when they tell the answer I'm like I don't really get it um, it's so, like, <laughs> like the one where Bilbo's like an eye in a blue face saw an eye in a green face that eye is like to this eye said the first eye but in low place not high place and the fact that Gollum comes up with the answer blows my mind yeah like and and also Bilbo's like yeah. you know there's a couple of creepy Gollum ones like the one about um the dark and fish which I like the fish one I kind yeah. of said a bit in there like the never thirsty ever drinking all in male never clinking I think yeah. that's cute that but is then cute. That is- and then Bilbo throws out no legs lay on one leg two legs sat near on three oh, legs four legs get some or got some and i'm like yeah and, and all of you answers it <laughs> well, when i saw the answer i'm like i still don't get it that yeah. very specifically i was like what does this mean <laughs> what I'm does like, this mean so i'm like so the fish is on a table that only has one leg and then the man is sitting at a stool that has three legs why does the stool have more legs than the table it doesn't make yeah, sense. Yeah, it doesn't make sense. <laughs> and then yeah. the cat maybe has the bone. Maybe we're just out of time. Yeah. Maybe this is something that made sense. Somebody in the show 40s. me a table <laughs> yeah. with one leg. 
Because I, I think of a stool. Like, I guess stools have three yeah. legs. But, like, why? I don't know. I, I don't know. But yeah, Gollum, get it. Yeah. Gollum somehow pulls that out of his butt. And, you know, all of that to say that the riddle scene really brings me back to what we were talking about early on in when we were recording for Fellowship, when Gandalf is trying to explain to Frodo that Gollum, not just the point about Bilbo and Gollum, but how Gollum was most likely related to hobbits, right? And mm-hmm. how, and and it just like that idea disgusts Frodo at first. Like he's like, right. no. Um, but the fact that Gollum is able to guess these answers, like, and where I fail horrifically, <laughs> yeah. like it says a lot to me about who Gollum was before the ring. Yes. You know? I think what's also interesting, and I, I know I talked about this earlier. Yeah. When we see those moments of, seeing him in his life before um and but this is this is the, supposed to be the introduction to Gollum mm-hmm. but for everyone else it's not Lord of the Rings is the introduction to Gollum usually when you're watching into the movies and right. I think the way when we see that changes the way we interact with this scene mm-hmm. and it's almost right because this is a beautiful introduction to this character um and really it says a lot of who he is as a person and really sets him up for the rest of the this book and the trilogy after. Mm-hmm. But when you're going into the movie and you've seen Lord of the Rings and you see this, you already have that preset in mind of who he is in Lord of the Rings. Um, and if you're not learning about him, you're remembering about him. Mm, so yeah. Interesting when you see it like that. And you're right when you it is a bit more of the dual personality thing with him. It's because we have that preconceived conceived notion but in this book you for the first time you see him talking to himself for the first time you see him kind of being like oh what's going on we should do this kind of plan it out and I think the pivotal scene here that is important is at the end um, and they show this in the movie as well I don't know how I feel about the impact in the movie when Bilbo is looking at Gollum crying yeah, uh, I, I have. I definitely have notes on that. That's yeah. Sure. If you wanted, if you want to say your notes on that, uh, feel free. Because I was like, I just feel yeah. like in the book it was more impactful because you really feel yes. bad. Yes. 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 The, 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 the thing that I wrote down specifically. Uh, well, one more thing about like them the paralleling each other is the way that uh, Tolkien even sets up the riddle the riddle game. So mm-hmm. where like in the movie. Um, it's Bilbo's idea where he's, he's like, he's talking to, he's talking to the Smeagol side of Gollum, right? He's talking mm-hmm. to like, who's like much more childlike in this version of mm-hmm. the story. And he's like, Hey, you know, what if we played a riddle game? Like just you and me. But then it's funny because it's clearly Gollum, like the kind of stinker side of him mm-hmm. that is the one giving the riddles back to Bilbo. So I'm like, all right, that didn't really work, but okay. Um, yeah. But the way that it's set up in the book is Gollum offers up the riddle game because he's trying to buy time. And the way that he writes this is that um, Gollum notices Bilbo's sword and he suggests the riddle game because he was anxious to appear friendly at any rate for the moment until he found out more about the sword and the hobbit, where he was quite alone, whether he was quite alone really, or whether he was good to eat and whether Gollum was really hungry. Like Gollum hadn't figured that out yeah. yet. Um, and Bilbo responds very well, 
because he was anxious to agree until he found out more about the creature, whether he was quite alone, whether he was fierce or hungry, and whether he was a friend of the goblins. So even here, the way they're thinking is very mm-hmm. similar, which very obviously similar. you can't see that in the movie because we don't switch into their brains, you know. But yeah. um, I thought it was really, it drives home the point that we see later about how Gollum and Bill and, you know, hobbits aren't really so different after all yeah but then it's curious that they did that Gollum didn't know what Bilbo was because he's Mm. like what's the hobbit but I guess if the only way that makes sense is if we're using rings of power logic where it's kind of like this pre-evolution version of them so it maybe or it's like homo sapiens and neanderthal kind of relation I'm not thinking too much into this children's brain. Well, I'm just thinking, like, but. I mean, he's had the ring for, like, 500 years, you know? And it's just, like, who knows what they would have referred to themselves as? And he didn't, you know what I mean? Like, Yeah. Um, and maybe he forgot. It's, like, very likely he forgot, too, right? Yeah. He, he forgot. forgot. Yeah, it's, like, part the of the sun felt. Mm-hmm. Humanity. Yeah. yeah. Humanity. It's, you know. And that that's oh. one thing that they do say about Gollum is that he tries not to think about life outside the map like makes him upset when Hmm. Bilbo brings up these riddles that you know Gandalf explains later that he's like kind of enjoying it but he's also hating it at the same time because he tries Hmm. not to think about those times before the ring because it makes him upset you know so it could be suppressed for for sure um you know so we have this version of Gollum who is like I mean you know he I think he works in the case of the movie. I think that like Martin Freeman and Andy Serkis are wonderful together. You know, Mm -hmm. he looks stunning, but then, you know, we come to the end where Bilbo's trying to escape. Um, You know, we see Bilbo run from Gollum and in his attempt to escape, he gets, so this is, this is the movie only. So they, he gets stuck between some rocks and, you know, causing the buttons to fly off, which is, um, their nod to when he gets out the door um, in the book he you know that doesn't happen until he's like gotten away from Gollum he's ha- having to get past the goblins at that point and he gets stuck in their door to the outside yeah. world and his buttons fly off and that's kind of like the last that the goblins see of, of Bilbo so they they try to throw it in here because they give Bilbo a different exit point uh, yeah. in, in the movie Um and it's just, it's funny to me because, like, Bilbo falls, like, right on the other side of that opening, and then they do the whole thing where, like, the ring flies up and perfectly lands on one of Bilbo's fingers, like they do in Fellowship. But, mm-hmm. but it, like, to me, I'm like, okay, but, like, Gollum knows how the ring works. Like, how did he not just, like, jump on him? He just saw yeah. him. You know right. what I mean? But in the book, Bilbo has ran ahead of Gollum, and he, Gollum hasn't caught up to him quite yet in the movie he's like right on top of him but he hasn't caught up to him quite yet and he's like what is this in my pocket like actually like what is he so mad about and he puts his hand in there right as he falls and so then it slips on and in the dark and everything like Gollum leaps over him because he fell down he doesn't bump into him you know and he just keeps going um and eventually showing him the way out and but I think Here's what we were talking about just two seconds ago about the difference for how Bilbo deals with getting out and how Gollum Mm -hmm. reacts, right? So 
Gollum's still blocking the door, either way. It's a different, slightly different structure, but he's blocking the exit. You know, obviously in the movie we see the dwarves and Gandalf get out that way. He's like, what? (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, you know, and this is the moment that we hear Gandalf talk to a a lot about later, about, you know, pity and mercy. Mm -hmm. Um, And Bilbo decides to jump over Gollum. But not without accidentally kicking him in the head, which I'm like, okay. But, like, I was actually very surprised by how well Bilbo was able to jump in the book. Because yeah. anybody, where well, it was like seven feet forward and yeah, three feet Yeah, up. I was like, I was like leap of, oh, forget oh, yeah. the leap of Baron. We're talking about the leap of Bilbo here. Yeah, <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> and how he how? narrowly avoids hitting his head on the top. and Yeah. yeah. It's really amazing. I mean, like, what is the Bilbo workout routine? Um, right. I need to know. It's meals. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I love the way that this part is described in the book, and, and especially because it's much more clear about Gollum's abilities to not only see in the dark, but to hear and smell. Smell, and, yes. You know, he can smell the goblins. Um, he, you know, as soon as Bilbo moves, like, in that part, he stiffens and Bilbo could see or feel that Gollum was tense as a bowstring gathered for a spring. So Gollum in vastly different from the way the movie shows it, where it's Gollum has no idea that Bilbo's right behind him. And he's looks like a, you know, a tortured puppy, like with big eyes. And he's very, very sad. Um, Stumbling around almost. mm -hmm. Um, Which, uh, which I feel is, yeah, like such a stark difference between this version of Gollum, again, which is supposed to be the first time we ever see him. He is mm-hmm. frightening and he's agile and he's quiet. The The way he describes being able to cross the river without a sound. Mm-hmm. So the, the movies allude, they mention it in words that he's too clever a watersman. Yeah. They, they mention that he can do all these things. We never really see him do all these things. Mm. Right? We, we only like know him as this like, gangly creature that is has been tortured and is sad we don't really see much beyond that we don't see his i don't know i'm going to use the word strength because it's but it's mm-hmm. not the correct term his abilities is right. pretty much what i would say and in this book you're, you're right we do really see that um that scene where where Gollum stiffens i physically stiffened mm. i stressed for Bilbo. you know mm-hmm. in the movie you're kind of like you know he's invisible we kind of know how this works Gollum can't see anything it's gonna be yeah. fine Yes. Um, and I feel like that's the, the strike difference. Yeah, and Bilbo, I uh, see, when I'm, uh, correct me, or, like, tell me how you visualize it when you're reading it, but in the movie, they have Bilbo actually get out his sword and, like, you know, make moves like he's about to hurt Gollum, which I guess is to, like, visualize how he's thinking about it, but I just, I'm just gonna read this passage because I, I just love the way that it's ri- written, so... Mm. Gollum is stiffened like we know that he's like ready to attack Bilbo at the first sign of movement right Bilbo almost stopped breathing and went stiff himself he was desperate he must get away out of this horrible darkness while he had any strength left he must fight he must stab the foul thing put its eyes out kill it it meant to kill him no not a fair fight he was invisible now Gollum had no sword. Gollum had not actually threatened to kill him, or tried to yet. And he was miserable, alone, lost. A sudden understanding, a pity mixed with horror, welled up in Bilbo's heart. 
A glimpse of endless, unmarked days without light or hope of betterment. Hard stone, cold fish, sneaking and whispering. All these thoughts passed in a flash of, of a second. He trembled, and then quite suddenly in another flash, as if lifted by a new strength and resolve, he leaped. Not a great leap for a man, but a leap of faith in the dark. Yeah. Still get chills. Still Whoa. gets chills reading it. <laughs> yeah. And the problem yeah, with adaptations is how do you even capture that? How do you know. even capture that? It's it's tough. So this is what I say when with it's a different medium, so you yeah. have to come at it differently. Exactly. But I I love this book so much. It just really is a testament to Token as a as a writer. And you, we all often forget how he is as a children's literature writer because oh, of Lord of the Rings. God. The Hobbit is such a beautiful piece of work, which it's so it's so childlike, but so chilling at the same time. And this that passage was the highlight mm. of, of what Tolkien really can achieve here. Yeah, agree. I think that it's like, of course, they can't really show us um, Bilbo's you know thoughts there you know i think that's right. that's really hard and i think what they did with Gollum looking even more pitiful you know um I, I you know i don't really have a problem with how it's portrayed but i'm just saying for the sake of um yeah. if you've never read the books before i think that it's it's very interesting um and it feels significant to me that Gollum wasn't looking at him like a wounded puppy. Uh, yeah. That he was springing to attack Bilbo in whatever way he could. And and yet, even with the One Ring, like, I know that we don't know that it's the One Ring, but we do know it's the One Ring. Right. <laughs> we know. Um, that Bilbo couldn't bring himself to hurt Gollum. A Gollum that was, like, decidedly mean, you know? Yeah. Um, you he was going to eat him. And yeah. he's poised to eat him still. Right. Uh, at, yeah. at least make it so he doesn't get out with the ring. You know what I mean? And it's like, while I'm, you know, I'm not going to try to remember the rest of the Hobbit really right this second. I'm, and then, like, I don't want to remember. I want to, like, experience it again, you know, through this podcast. Uh, but I will say that I am concerned that the strengths of Bilbo Get, and I know we talked about how it's really not about Bilbo anymore, but still, I, I think that... Yeah, it's like yeah. the strength of Bilbo get lost and all the other madness that goes on in these films. Yeah. Um, but at least in this scene, we see a little of, of what makes book Bilbo such a compelling character and how yeah. it really, like, it's his choices that ultimately go on to help save Middle-earth. Yeah. Yeah. I think about this scene a lot, even before we had this podcast. Yeah. Um, and we had to rewatch it. That scene I think about the most because I always have the, him, Bobo looking at Gollum and Gollum just looking very sad. And I think about that a lot because that devastation that Bilbo feels envy for in the, in the book, it's, again, you, you can't know that that's what he's feeling. And I, I would always try to think about what Bilbo is feeling in the movie. Like what, Mm. what made him change his heart like what sympathy did seeing Bilbo uh, seeing Gollum's crying face made Bilbo feel because we'll never know that right we know in the book it's because he felt sympathy for like oh you know he's been in the dark he's been lonely whatever yeah. in the movie he just sees a single tear uh and then he doesn't kill him doesn't do it and it's and I'm like I wonder what was it for movie Bilbo what was the change of heart there 
Mm. Yeah, because yeah. he even takes it a step further. Because I think this happens so fast in book Bilbo's head that he doesn't reach for his sword. And also the fact yeah. that the sword glows, I think, would have been a problem. You know what I mean? Right. Like he, he says that he sheathed it after he fell, you know? And um, so I think, but, you know, this Bilbo, he takes out the sword. He's like very much going to do it. And then he sees Gollum's face, and I would hope that it's, like, a similar vibe, right? That it's, like, he, in that moment, realizes how alone and sad Gollum really mm-hmm. is, you know? Yeah. Um, it's a it's compelling scene. Like, I think both in the movie and in the book. Sorry, go ahead. I agree. Yeah, no. Has Bilbo killed yet, though? Because mm-hmm. that's sort of, for me, I think that's pr- maybe why, in the movie anyway, like, in the book, we get a fulsome explanation. Um, but in the movie, right. when I was watching it, I was like, maybe it's just that he hasn't done that yet. And I can imagine it takes a big step to do that for the first time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. It's just think, interesting knowing what, what the, yeah, it's just interesting knowing what the one ring can do to somebody, even mm-hmm. within the first few yeah. hours, minutes of having it, right? Like, we know for Gollum, it was, like, almost instantaneous. But we know that Gollum has kind of always had a little bit of bent towards the not-so-great. Um, yeah. And, but Bilbo doesn't feel it. And ultimately, that is Bilbo's disposition for good. Like, that is why the, the ring doesn't go on to affect him as badly as it could have, you know? Right. Um, and I think that's what, I mean... Bilbo is the guy, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, um, but yeah, it's uh, it's crazy to think that like, yeah, Bilbo hadn't. I mean, I don't think Bilbo uses his sword at all until the uh, spiders, and that's why he calls it Sting, right? Yes. So, yeah. um, it is interesting that they also have movie Bilbo kind of try it out with the. Goblin, he tries to he go, doesn't do yeah. so hot. Um, Not so good. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, movie hobbits are quite different than book hobbits, I find. But you know mm. what? It is a diff- you have to adapt to it. It's just an interesting. It's interesting to see it side by side. Yes, uh, exactly. Yeah. And it's one of those like things where it's like, I, about. yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. Like one of those things where it's like typically, you know, you do your yearly reread and you read them right and then or you have like a movie marathon or you just watch them whenever and you don't necessarily like you know like yeah oh, shit, that Compare was that line as- yeah. yeah um so i it it is interesting when i think you see different things when you do it back to back like this uh, yeah which is which I- is fun yeah, I was definitely more forgiving of the movie when I wasn't reading it alongside of the book. I was definitely yeah. like, this is the greatest. And then when I'm reading with the book and I'm like, what? Okay. And then, I know. And there's like things where it's like, I get why they are doing things the way that they are. Um, but there is one thing that it's like, hmm, I, they're not they're not too far off these scenes, right? And I think that's mm-hmm. why it feels fun to watch these. I mean, it's like Bilbo is being Bilbo-y and Gollum is being Gollum. You know what I mean? Like, it's beautifully shot. It's a yeah. very well-acted scene, you know? Um, yes. But yeah. I think that, like, with the... I don't know. For me, like, with the whole multiple personalities things, like, I get why they did it because Peter set that expectation up already, right? Mm-hmm. And they kind of lean into it a little bit more. Um, but I was just thinking about, like, 
if Peter's exaggerations in the Lord of the Rings were like a seven or like turned up to a seven, then the Hobbit is like a 20 or like, yeah. 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 You know, I know. So like we have this version of Gaul and it's like, it's been like that with the dwarves, the goblins even being like, not really orcs. They're kind of like this fleshier, you know, like with everything, it's just kind of been like, whoop. Uh, And it, and and it's fine until it's like not, you not, know what I mean? Yeah. Like, uh, like I think that I don't know. Like these actors are capable of like moving subtle performances, and I really wish that they had been given the space to do more with that. Yeah, um, I think also it's interesting because they relied heavily on CGI for this one, whereas in Lord of the Rings and Rings of Power, they did use a lot more um, actual prosthetics and whatnot, and Mm -hmm. you can feel it. You can, especially that scene with Legolas going, doing, doing, doing. It's just like, (laughs) it's it's such a stark difference. Um, Also, the costuming um, is, like, different. The quality is different. I think Mm. it looks good, except for things here and there, like, Legolas's contacts will always, always oh, that's rough. throw yeah. me. Like, who, who, you, who did this? Use the same contacts from the first movie that was older. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so strange. Did they like digitally change his eyes instead of using contacts or something? Oh, I don't know. I don't know because Dragonville's we'll eyes were normal. Right. <laughs> it's only Legolas's that are weird. <laughs> I know. I know you can make it normal. Right. Like, <laughs> Headed hands. Like, we're focused on the important details right now. (laughs) (laughs) I know. There are just some things where it's like, it takes you out of it, you know? Like, and I, yeah, I think that. Especially with the orcs and the goblins, I think. Yeah. Yeah. That's where, yeah. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. Like, when I was re watching this part, and obviously you have to re watch some of that goblin nonsense. Well, and Josh was like, oh, like, what is with this great goblin? Like that is not the sound of the great goblin at all. Yeah. I, I know, babe. I know. Just don't worry about him. We're not talking about him this time. <laughs> We're not talking about that great goblin. Yeah, he, no. No. that's funny. That's like the equivalent of Thranduil in the Hobbit movies in the seventies no. ones, right? There's always no. something. But this scene, in, <laughs> there's always something weird. I know. <laughs> but in this scene, uh, Riddles in the Dark, the seventies Gollum version. <clears throat> So one of the things, I feel like the 70s Gollum version is very smooth. And this uh, Gollum movie, Gollum, is very, like, more in-your-face kind of scary. Yeah. It's the best way to describe it. And even the way they say Gollum uh, exemplifies that. Like, uh, uh, Andy Strix's Gollum is like, Gollum, Gollum, right? But mm-hmm. in the in the 70s one, he's like, Gollum, Gollum, more like a frog. And I think that those interpretations already set up the differences between the two creatures and I think that's really it was a really interesting creative choice yeah. um, I think they both work for what yeah. they were trying to achieve for what the characters were um, and then when you read it in the book because when you read the book for the first time I remember when I was reading it when I was 10 and I didn't have any idea what any of them sounded like yeah. um, I don't know how I imagined people like just Gollum Gollum like how do you I can't remember that? either I think I I think I was probably closer to Andy's version but I can't confirm that because now I feel like there's a lot of my brain that's just like there are certain parts where it's like I'm rereading like Lord of the Rings for example and mm-hmm. I just see scenes from the movie but then if there's a scene from the movie that was left out then I can kind of see it again like how I saw mm-hmm. it when I was 
11 or whatever. Um, yeah, it's it's hard to say what I right. thought originally. Yeah, it is hard I to say. The, yeah, um, the book describes it as being like phlegmy. So I had it being as like a harsher like yeah. Yeah. noise. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, I, like I, trying I, to get I would have preferred up. Gollum. 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 That's so but cute. But that's why. It, it is so cute. And <laughs> in, the, in the 70s one, he does look more like a frog, kind of lizard froggy. He does. Thing. Yes. Um, so there is that interpretation is linked directly to the way uh, he looks. Um, and if you look at a lot of the artwork, as I mentioned before, uh, before any of the movies came out, uh, the, he does look a lot like a frog or a lizard. Mm-hmm. So I think that interpretation comes from somewhere. And when you're thinking about the evolution of language, and how since so many of these people before the movies came out had this similar idea, yeah. but now we think of it as a phlegmy cough, like something changed over time, right? And that's yeah. like some, that's what's great about having a book that's been around for over 100 years. Um, wow. Like over close to 100 years. Right. Um, wow. Yeah. It's like the, the language and interpretation just changes over time. Yeah, and it's definitely in the time, it's universal, right? Listen, the everybody was thinking about Gollum like a frog before, and now everyone thinks of him as this like phlegmy coffee dude. Yeah, yeah, that's so interesting, and it's like, especially if like you're making those additions, and Lord of the Rings doesn't even exist yet. Like, yeah, why not? He could look like anything, you he know, could look like anything, and he's like described as like dark, mm-hmm. but. I'm not really sure what Tolkien means when he says that. Like, is yeah, it just because it, it, like, everything is dark? Like, you can't mm. see shit yeah, down there. What do you dark, mean? Dark, yeah. yeah. He was Gollum as dark as darkness, except for two big, round, pale eyes in his thin face. But I just think yeah. that means that it was already so dark that you can't really yeah. see him that well. <laughs> yeah. And when you hear that and you think of Andy Serkis' Gollum, that's a pretty accurate description. Yeah, he's um, all especially- eyes. Yeah, the eyes, eyes. Um, when you first see Gollum, uh, it, they really do have that reflective thing that we see in animals today, where the mm-hmm. light behind the eyes, there's a, where they describe that in the book as well. Yes. Where his eyes turn green. And but I was the like, thing Whoa. with Gollum and his eyes turning green is always when he's being a stinker. Like, it's, right. it's this, I mean, it's almost like maybe he becomes more animal-like when he's in a bad mood. You know what I mean? Because he does it in Lord of the Rings, too, where it's like, you know something's about to go down if you see like green in his eyes, which is like it has to be that like reflective quality. You know what I mean? Like right. I don't know how you just like change your your eyes like that. You know? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, the way I I think he, they described it in the book was his eyes grew so big because he was trying to see in the dark, mm-hmm. um, which scientifically doesn't make sense, but uh, it makes sense when you're reading. You're like, oh, yeah, because you're always like trying to see. Um, mm-hmm. when, you, when you see Gollum's, this is not about The Hobbit, but it's about in Lord of the Rings, and I apologize, but when you see that tradition in um, The Return of the King, and you literally oh. see his eyes grow bigger like that, without reading the description in, in the book, you're like, how did that happen? But you're like, it's because he's trying to see in the dark. He can't see. <laughs> he's like, can't see. His eyes grow so huge from trying to see in the dark. Equivalent um, to elf, elf vision science. Mm. Right, because it's like technically they shouldn't be able to see that back because of the curvature of the earth. But you're right. like you just accept it because yeah, you just accept it. it. Yeah, <laughs> you just accept it. His eyes grew so big because it was so dark. That's just how the world works here. Yeah, it's interesting to think about like the the uh, transformation of Gollum from like uh, somebody that's 
not too far away from a hobbit to just yeah. like this yeah. yeah yeah he just doesn't it's like he can't even register him as a person i know that like yeah. obviously that the point is to try to see Gollum as a person you know um, yeah but even the narrator who is not bilbo but is a third person narrator oh my gosh this is the judgiest version of tolkien you are ever gonna see yeah he's like (laughs) this creature he keeps calling this creature oh memory he's so gross like he literally calls Gollum gross over and over again he's like when he was less wicked and now he's gross he's slimy yeah yeah Flappy. i know what we were talking about last time about how he talks about the orcs and how they're like you know it's very I don't know. We, we talked about the differences between how we talk about orcs and Lord of the Rings versus in this one. And this one, it's like things are very black and white in The Hobbit, which yeah. is like a, a kid's book, you know? Yeah. Um, like these guys are bad. Gollum is bad. But Bilbo sees something that, you know. Yeah. Maybe, I don't know. It, it's interesting. But yeah, this is very judgy Tolkien uh, narrator. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this guy's thought of it like guys. that. Now I do. Yeah. That's hilarious. <laughs> it's so funny yeah (laughs) he did not like Gollum he didn't hold back he was like "Mm, that's a bad guy that's a bad guy he's like you don't even I'm gonna spell it out he's a bad guy like he's ugly and once his he had a grandmother yeah (laughs) one time but back to him being ugly yeah (laughs) he hated thinking about his grandma I know but good for Bilbo for you know what I mean it's kind of like I feel like Tolkien would have given Bilbo a pass for stabbing him, but... Yeah. And you know what? <laughs> Going back to what you were saying about Bilbo being one of the most admirable hobbits, mm-hmm. um, and you're right, this really exemplifies that. And I always wonder, poor Frodo, but no, I always no. wonder what would have happened if Gandalf had clocked that this was the One Ring earlier, and if Bilbo had to be the one to take it to the mountain as opposed to Frodo, because it seemed out of everyone, Bilbo was one of the most resistance to the power of the ring. Yeah. Frodo is very strong. Like, don't get me wrong. He was unbelievably strong. But um, Bilbo had that ring for so long and it didn't weigh on him the same way it did on Gollum. Yes. Um, it, you started to see a glimpse of it here and there, but not in the same way. Like it destroyed Gollum completely. Frodo really felt the weight of it within a shorter span of time. Yeah. And it, it just makes me wonder. That's an interesting point because there are so many things where like, I feel like we've done thought experiments before. Maybe it's time for another one about like, yeah. what if? Because like, I think that Aragorn had to be part of this in some way because they were, mm-hmm. he was literally waiting for the One Ring to be found to reforge his sword. That was the whole that's the whole thing, right? Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, in the book, movie Aragorn, I cannot say. He was like right. 20 or something in his 20s when this is all going down. And 20s Aragorn is off like fighting for Rohan and fighting for Gondor and like traveling mm-hmm. around because Elrond was like, mm, you got to get some shit under your belt before you try to marry my daughter. And he's like, okay. You know, and it's not until he's like 40 or something that our one is like, yeah, I'll marry you, you know? So right. we're not even there yet. Um, would we, I don't know. Okay. So I'm, I'm like thinking like, so Gandalf, because Gandalf at this point does know that it's Sauron in Dolkador and it's just him trying to convince other people to take action on it, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and Bilbo hides... Like, he figures out that he's got a ring. Mm-hmm. 
or he's got some, it, something's going on. Yeah, but th- it could be a petty ring. It could be. Yes. It doesn't necessarily have to be a ring of power because it has been in uh, described in lore that there are petty rings that have like does whatever here and yes. there. Yes, but it's not necessarily that it's a powerful ring, which is why this one got really pulled under the radar for so long, mm-hmm. especially because Bilbo was so resistant to the ring. Yeah, so, so it's a combination of those two things. So, like, let's say yeah. Yeah. Gandalf, you know, post adventure. I know they hang out the Bayorn for a little bit. They hang out in Dale for a little bit before they head all the way up to the Shire. I'm just thinking, like, logistically, mm-hmm. it would have been nicer if they had been on that side of the Misty Mountains. But, right. um, and also, it isn't until around this time that Sauron gets pushed out of Dolgador, mm-hmm. literally right before the Battle of Five Armies. Um, so, oh my god, it's just so weird to think. So, like, say he accidentally drops it into a fireplace. I don't know. And then that's when it would have shown him, like, definitively what the ring was. So, like, I don't know. I can't. I'm trying to think of, like, what Gandalf would do. And he is a hard guy to predict. He is a hard guy to predict. So I'm like, okay, so does he go to... Elrond? Does he go to Galadriel with this? Like, he doesn't know that... Yeah, is, he might not. Was Saruman even evil at that point, or not he evil? Turn okay. He yeah. is, but Gandalf doesn't know it. Gandalf right. is. It is not confirmed yeah. to Gandalf it's until suspicious. Lord of the Rings. But right. yeah. so the thing with Saruman at this point is he is looking for the ring himself, mm-hmm. and he is like trying to avoid the Dolgador thing because he it, it isn't until he realized that Sauron is also realizing the history of the ring like Saruman already knows but then when he realized that okay. Sauron has also figured out where the last where the last time they saw the ring was is when he decides to push him out of Dolgador mm. he just goes to Mordor but um not you know it doesn't really work that great but you mm. know for Saruman's purposes it worked so oh my god I'm just thinking like if Gandalf had gone to Saruman I think we would have been fucked like yeah. legitimately I think he would have yep said whatever yeah. it took and then he would have just taken it and then we have yeah that's probably likely what would have happened to be honest oh it's so stressful <laughs> <laughs> everything happens for a reason it's fine yeah. <laughs> okay literally i think it yeah. that is the, the story for for lord of the rings yeah. like if because aragorn had to be ready for that and he was by that point right like mm-hmm. um with things like Boromir's death like it had to happen the way it happened like if Faramir had gone with them I think it would have been a problem they wouldn't have Mm -hmm. split up I think you know all of that if there had been a larger party than just Frodo and Sam going to Mordor I think it would have been a bad deal it's interesting to think like maybe they don't tell Saruman maybe they tell Galadriel instead or Elrond or something but why would they do that I don't know. I can't think of a reason. Right. But you know, it is it is interesting to have these thought experiments. It's yeah. fun. It's fun to talk about. I know. But, I'm just yeah. thinking like, say he drops it into a fire when they're in Rivendell and Elrond is like, the fuck is this? Yeah. Um, I don't know. Because Elrond, I mean, do they hold a council then? Who would show up? I don't even know. Right. Like, and I could actually see it dropping into a fire because... The ring likes to like slip off people's like fingers, and they can be just like having a party, and it like falls into the fire. Right. Like I could see it. I could see it. Like, oh, I know look, everybody just be having this ring loosey goosey in their yeah. pockets. Yeah, I never understood this, that. Even in this <laughs> book, uh, when he has the ring on, and suddenly he's with the orcs, it's off. It's, it's off. Like, look at again. It's 
Because yeah. the ring has a mind of its own. It's like, yo, yo, yeah. I'm right here. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. he wants the past to be with a bad guy. Suddenly yeah. in front of all these orcs, and the ring isn't yeah. on his finger. And I was like, yeah. uh-huh. was that the ring's, what was the ring's will in that moment? Well, it was obviously trying to be. Oh my gosh. By I wrote the goblins, but. Yes. Well, and there's like a point where Gollum is super upset about losing the ring and he's basically like after all these ages it's almost like Gollum knew that the ring would be it's like an asshole you know what I mean right. but like mm. he's like ah oh, damn it you know like he knows that the ring ha- it, I'm like has the ring pulled something like this before you know yeah or- like try to escape from him before and he's always like haha not this time gotcha. yeah it's kind of I kind of feel like he understands the ring better than we give him credit for you know yeah yeah. I mean, he's had it for 500 years. There's no reason why he wouldn't know. Yeah. Right? Yeah. The ins and outs of what, like, the love of his life, right? Maybe. Yeah. Hates it and loves it. Yeah. Awful. But yeah, I think, I mean, say it does, say we do see it in Rivendell. I don't know. I don't know. Because, I don't know. I'm just trying to think, like, Elrond's instinct. <laughs> experiments hurt like, my brain. <laughs> I know, it's, yeah. it's hard. I think Our, if we go to Saruman, we know it's over, right? Yeah. We've got a Saruman yeah. versus Sauron situation and it's not good. Um, but then with like Rivendell, I think like if Elrond had realized, because before the council wasn't really called, it just kind of happened. Like everybody else had news to share and they went to Rivendell right. to share it. And it just yeah. worked out like that. So if it's just like, becomes like the elves problem it would have been different like the men in the yeah. doors wouldn't have been there uh-uh. they wouldn't have asked them to be yeah um and, and you then, know was it yeah. who was it it wasn't chlorfindel that was like what if we put it in the ocean was that what it, one of them i don't know somebody at yeah, the council there was a bunch of like random uh suggestions but you know what? It's hard. What would you do in your life? You'd be like, oh, I don't know. Why don't we just throw it in the ocean? Yeah. I think about maybe they would have. And yeah. then it worked on one of the Simmerals, right? Yeah. So like, why wouldn't it work on the One Ring? Fair point. Logically, yeah. Yeah, but I think that ring would have found figured its way. It out. Yeah. yeah. I bet, and it it could have been even different with like, um, was it Olmo who would have been like, yeah, I'll take the Simmeral, but. Pfft. I don't want your fucking ring, you know? Gross. Yeah. Ugh. Nasty. Simmerals are beautiful. Yeah. This ring is gross and yeah. ugly. It tastes like darkness. Yeah. So it's like the token narrator of yeah. a little bit. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. But that was fun. Yeah. I think, yeah. I I think we kinda know, but as far yeah. as how it would actually go down, it's it's hard to say. I don't think it would be good. I think that's mm-hmm. what we can confirm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But. but yeah, I've thought about that too. Or even like if Bilbo had somehow magically gotten all the way to Mordor with it. Like who would be Bilbo's buddy? Bilbo's kind of a loner. He is a loner. Whereas yeah. Frodo has like the support system. You know? Yeah. Frodo and Sam are that dynamic team that allowed the Because the ring is really good at getting hold of one person. But when there's like a two people, mm-hmm. that power balance, I think was also really what off sh- offshot mm-hmm. the ring's success in that situation. Yeah. 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 And even Gollum, like 
does Gollum help Bilbo? I don't think so. You no. know what I mean? There's there's bad blood there. You know what I mean? Yeah. Whereas with Frodo, like, yeah, he is trying to be an asshole, but, like, ultimately Frodo is able to, like, be the bigger person in a lot of ways. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's and true. it is it's it like, is Gollum that destroys the ring. Mm-hmm. Yep. Ultimately, yeah. it isn't yeah. even Frodo, right? So. Yeah. Gollum, I think, has to be there, but I don't yeah. think it would have gone as well with Bilbo and Gollum. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, because Bilbo yeah. he tricked him once, so he would be like, <laughs> yeah, let him trick him again. I think this is one of those situations where, um, now that we've talked about it, yeah, uh, where it's all the odds are to lose except for one odd to win and yes. we were in that one scenario where it was yes i feel exactly. like Sauron was so close to like at so many points to getting the ring and winning so close yeah so i think that was the one universe in which everything worked mm-hmm. yeah i think that it's like yeah because if bilbo tried to go at it like say they send a company with bilbo say that's we somehow get to that point um it probably would have been too many people, like more than a couple of hobbits is too easy, right? Mm-hmm. Like they, if Gollum, I don't think Gollum would have really like inserted himself if it had been more people. He doesn't really try to go for it until Aragorn is gone, right? Mm-hmm. So I don't think Gollum would have helped unless everybody else had dipped. And who would who would be Bilbo's second? That is like... You know, if it's just Bilbo and Gollum, it's no. No, yeah. no, no, no. If they try to go through the Black Gate, no. We know that's yeah. not going to work. You know what I mean? Yeah. How Gollum was the only answer for the Shelob thing. And yeah. 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 Everything happened for a reason. Yeah. And that reason is Tolkien is very smart. Yes. <laughs> it's, it's crazy. and it's also funny because like i always think about him writing lord of the rings and it's like the tale grew in the telling right he just didn't really have a direction for it he just was writing and it just kind of happened the way it happened i mean obviously revisions and stuff happened but like ultimately it just kind of like came out the way it came out you know Mm -hmm. and then with the hobbit it's just like i mean it's a fun romp yeah, and he. This is the chapter he changed. This is the chapter that we see differently than the original. Yeah, original run, and I think about that a lot because I don't know what the original run said, and it, they're talking about the ring. There is more emphasis on the ring, um, and how it affected Gollum, and how it was a little bit more trickier. So right. apparently, that's what was changed. And I'm like, well, what? How was it in the original? Well, I know in the original that Gollum actually just gives it to him. Like he's really? like, oh, you won fair and square. Here you go. Oh, really? Mm. <laughs> he's not. He's just like, yeah. That's. And I will say that something we didn't talk about is how the riddle game is sacred. Yeah. Um, and that I, there yes. are that like, even like Code wicked creatures don't yeah. cheat. I mean, typically golems. Yeah. Like, and then Bilbo yeah. cheated. Bilbo cheats. And yeah. he's like, and it says that he wasn't really following like the ancient laws. So like it wasn't even really a riddle. So it's right. like, and, and again, I don't fully think I understand the riddle game because the way Gollum in both the book and the movie, he said, okay, one more. And I'm like, but you all answered all of them. What if you answer this one again? 
is there how do you determine a loser if you right. if you just say one more but everyone answered all the questions yeah go until you lose like yeah but Gollum said one more at the end how right. if he won yeah. did he, he win is that what he was playing at that he would answer <laughs> it and that he would just declare himself the winner yeah that is weird yeah that i guess i guess uh, jackson doesn't know the ancient laws yeah <laughs> but but he does that in the book too Gollum says oh, one more and it's like okay because Gollum was starting oh, to get hungry he, he was over it oh he's over it in both oh yeah yeah that's weird yeah what are these rules what are the rules I don't know but they're ancient you know what it, he, Gollum maybe broke the rule because Bilbo broke the rule it could have been one of those situations yeah everybody just be breaking this rule yeah he's like you know what this is a weird riddle. I'm also going to put my little rule break in there yeah. and ask for another chance. Cause right. I feel like, and if I were Gama, I'd be like, that's not, that's not a fair question. Yeah. I would I mean, ask come up with a too. riddle. Yeah. Like, Give us a real one. Yeah. Poor Gollum. <laughs> I know. And you feel bad for him sometimes. Like I get why Bilbo was like, ah, this sucks. Yeah. I would hate to be you too. You yeah. Know? Like, yeah. Yeah. So, and then, you know, but there, I think there are some, dudes on the internet that would be like well your life sucks so i'll just kill you yeah. no, no harm no foul but that's why those are not bilbo bilbo's I, are not, i don't yeah. no i totally agree with you be I like bilbo yeah be like what bilbo. i'm saying yeah because if you kill Gollum, you're definitely not getting the destruction of the ring you're just not yeah that's it you you just doomed the world yeah thanks so, a lot dude bros yeah, yeah. Get You're not listening it. to this. What am I saying? <laughs> <laughs> That's not our audience. <laughs> if you've made it this far in the fuck, <laughs> I'm shocked. Like and subscribe. Uh, <laughs> That's so funny. Yeah. I think there is only one other note that I had for this. Um, feel free to let me know if you all have any other notes. But there is one thing that I would have really liked Martin Freeman to do, which is when he falls and he wakes up, in the book, he checks to make sure that his pipe isn't broken and yeah. that he still has his tobacco and then is immediately devastated when he doesn't have his matches. And he's like, yeah. reasons to himself, like, yeah, I shouldn't light a match in here, but I would have liked to know that I could have. I could have. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> his like, priorities are so strange. He's like, my weed. I know. And I'm like, this is peak <laughs> Hobbit behavior. And I would have yeah. loved to see Martin Freeman do it. Just selfishly, yeah. like not narratively or anything. I just think it would have been adorable, and yeah. I would, I, I would like to see would have it. Just taking a second, just a quick second. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think, yeah. Despite uh, TLDR, in conclusion, despite my criticism of a back-to-back read of the movie and watching the book, yeah, you know, it, it's when I watch the movie by itself and I don't read the book, yeah. I have a really fun time. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, but it's really yeah. fair. But now I know why a lot of people are so. I mean, I always knew. I just like don't like hearing it over and over again because it's like yeah. the same stuff. But it's and like that, you know, yeah, yeah. That's the thing is, it's like I'm not. I think that I, I think it's wonderful that people can like truly love this and separate it in their brains. I struggle with that. I as a personal yeah. failing. That is not like a failing of the film. Do you know what I mean? Um, yeah. And like the whole like with this season, where before I think we were trying to be more like, oh, did I like this change? Was this change legit? You know, like does it make it better? Whatever. I think for this one, 
I'm not I'm not doing that so much as it's just being like, you know what, this is something that would have been cool or this is something that a, a difference that I think is worth noting, but not like I don't think it really needs that like extra like uh, it was a bad choice. You know, I think that um, the, the only thing that I will say is that like I love Bilbo so much. I wanted it to be more Bilbo, but like that mm-hmm. personally, but there are so many other points to love in this. And, you know, I yeah. do think that seeing more of the dwarves it it is fun like there's so much that just straight up fun in this movie and i think that's totally valid and what a lot of people want from their movies you know what i mean yeah i think it's more for a general audience than just for token fans Mm -hmm. i think one thing that we often have to remember is film makers uh the production company anyways yeah i don't care (laughs) they care about the mass not the few um So when you're watching anything, it's not always the director's fault. Some mm-hmm. They are often strong held into making certain creative decisions as well. So mm-hmm. yeah, Jackson did so not many want things. this to be three films. And, I, and it shouldn't have been, right? Mm-hmm. But, you know, he did what he could. He did what he could with it. Yeah. 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 I think that so many people have... You know, it's not like these movies are obscure. There's a lot of hype, right? And yeah. I think a lot of people you know, who were too young or not even born yet for Lord of the Rings, this was their intro to Middle Earth. And, you know, I think there's always going to be, like, something special about your introduction to something, you know? Even if it doesn't stay your favorite or maybe it stays your favorite just for the nostalgia factor. Do you know what I mean? I think that there, it has so, there's so much going for it, truly, that it's, like, it doesn't have to be your favorite. And I'll say this about any adaptation or any movie, mm-hmm. right? Like, it doesn't have to be your favorite. But it, it, there are a lot of things that it brought to change for the fandom. And I think that there have been largely good things, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, for sure. It definitely has its place in the yeah. world. Like, yeah. we all do. Yeah. Right. And it's like, I think we give the cartoons so much more leeway and, like, maybe their age or whatever. But I think that yeah. this is just cartoony. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it deserves just as much of a pass for things. Yeah. No, yeah, for sure. Because if you watch the cartoon or even the Lord of the Rings movies, mm-hmm. it's like, it's there's still a stark amount of differences oh, from yeah. the books and the movies. Uh, even Jackson's original stuff has, has a lot of deviations, mm-hmm. right? So... It's, a, it's just up to us to decide, do we like it or not? And it's a, yeah. both those answers are okay. Yeah. But yeah. It, the reason shouldn't be because it's different. Yes. <laughs> because it's going to be different. It's going to be different. <laughs> like, and also, it's yeah. like, I don't get any enjoyment out of, like, yucking someone's yum, as they say. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I think that there, there it has so many good things about it that I, you know, we have been having fun rewatching it, even if there are things that I disagree with you know what I mean that I would have done differently um but I've had people give me fair points for how they why they like certain changes and I'm like hey Mm -hmm. I I like that I like it when you tell me that you you know what I mean like I think that that makes me feel better about like oh like oh you're seeing it that way that's really helpful to me like that yeah because there's just some things that my brain is like not gonna think of you know yeah yeah, no, I totally get that. Mm-hmm. Were there any other moments? Did we miss anything? Did I gloss over anything, Callie or Minhouse, that you wanted to talk about when this one? Not within this chapter, no. Okay. I think we are good. Okay. This was um, an awesome episode. This was an awesome episode. As I expected it to be. But. <laughs> <laughs> it was, yeah, great chapter, great company. How could it go wrong? Right. Yeah. 
Yeah. Riddles in the Dark is so good. It is good. It's a good chapter. Yeah. It's a fun one. And yeah, I just, and you know, I think it's one of the standout moments in the movie as well. Yeah, it definitely is. Um, ironically, because, you know, you would think it'd be the big battles and stuff. No, like the, these are the moments that really make yeah make the movie fun. So even uh, the stuff that wasn't in the book that are in the movies, like just, um, you know, you can have your feelings toward Tariel. You can have whatever feelings you want toward Tariel. But like the scenes between her and Keely, mm-hmm. like those are more powerful than like just the fights. Oh, right. Yeah. Like, it's like these character moments. Yeah, I think that's what yeah. resonates the most with me personally. Yeah. Yeah, that sentiment has been a running theme on this podcast yeah. for sure. Yeah. yeah. We yeah. have a vibe. <laughs> <laughs> we like what we like. We're going to say. So, I mean, if that's all we've got, I'm going to remind everyone to please follow Minhas on social media. Um, and, you know, while you're at it, follow us too uh we're on twitter and instagram and also now on patreon if that is your thing uh i will just note that our patreon's a little different than maybe what you've seen or subscribed to previously there are no tiers you can pay whatever you want like a dollar ten dollars Fifty don't do fifty dollars. Um, uh, but you know, if you just, if you do, we'll put it to good use. Yes, yeah, so, yeah. So we're going to be putting extras on there, um, our notes, uh, extra bonus episodes, clips that don't maybe make it to social media or uh, parts of the podcast that we cut out, um, just for the funsies. And um, so we hope to see you there. And, you know, we appreciate all of your support, whether or not you become a patron, including if you're leaving reviews. And recently I saw that our friend Jochen left this gem of a review. You may know him as that German Tolkien guy on TikTok. And he wrote, one of the best Tolkien podcasts out there. Obviously, this is his opinion. I'm not saying it. This is is what Jochen wrote. We didn't say it. This is what someone else said. This is what somebody else said. Hey, uh, whether you're a newcomer to Tolkien, someone just exploring his works, or a longtime fan, this podcast is awesome, fun, informative, very knowledgeable, and honestly just beautiful to compliment your reading or satisfy your curiosity. 10 out of 10. Don't miss it. So obviously, if you made it this far, you're not really missing it. But um, if you want us to read your review, go leave one. And I will add that as a fun segment. Um, Yeah. So hear your words out of my mouth or Callie's mouth or our guest's mouth. Uh, <laughs> you never know. Um, so thank you again to Callie and Minhas. This has been so lovely. Uh, really, really enjoyed it. And we hope to see you all very soon.